Well, good morning. Happy Monday, the 14th of December, and welcome to our TR90 weight management call. This is Granny D, Dorcas Smith, welcoming you along with the rest of the team to a fabulous Monday. Well, I think it's fabulous because I'm talking and I get, I, I thoroughly am interested in the things that I'm talking about. So what am I totally interested in? Having a body that is healthy and well and works phenomenally, has a correct amount of fat to muscle, and has a brain that's working well. So even though people don't, that they think that they're, they're losing weight or they're trying to get their weight in control because they want to look slim, they actually really want to make their brain healthy. And if they make their brain healthy, then everything else really does fall into place. You're thinking, you're focusing. And since we're on the chap- chapter for short-term memory, here's a repeat for you. And I'm reading from Brain Rules, John Medina, The Twelve Principles for Surviving, Thriving at Work, Home, and School. And I like this is Rule 5. And Susan likes this one. Repeat to remember is number five. And I believe when we go to rule six, it'll be remember to repeat. So just remember, repeat stuff over and over that you really want to remember. And if you can add a bit of sparkle to the input, it'll be encoded better. And the brain has many types of memory systems. One type follows forced stages of processing, encoding, storing, retrieving, and forgetting. So we're on the short-term memory, which is part of the encoding and storing. What makes a short-term memory go into long-term memory? What's amazing is that the information coming into your brain is immediately split into fragments, and they are sent to completely different regions of the cortex for storage. For example, if you're looking at a word, the vowels are stored in one place. Oh, the visual vowels are stored in one place. The auditory vowels are stored in another. The visual consonants are stored in one place. The the auditory consonants are stored in another place. Then again, where these letters are placed in the word... The vowels are stored visually in one place. The consonants are stored in another. It's absolutely amazing. Then how does our brain bind them? How does it bring it all back together? That is something is just unbelievable. Now, there's one other thought. Most of the events that predict whether something is learned also, that will also be remembered, occur in the first few seconds of the learning. The more elaborately we encode a memory, in other words, with the more sparkles and the more uh, intensity and the more elaborately we encode, in other words, the more complicated the memory, chances are, especially in its initial moments, the stronger it will be. And, and this is really important for teachers, you can improve your chances of remembering something if you reproduce the environment in which you first put it into your brain. So, for us old ones, 
you find you go upstairs and you can't remember what you went upstairs for. But if you walk right back down to where you were standing when you thought about it, you're in the original environment, and you know what? It might just pop back in your brain. So this works for teachers. When you are giving kids exams, if you can give the exam or the test in the same room, in the same place where the learning was done, the learning or the test scores will be higher. So the question is, how do we bind? No one's really figured out how we bind. Oh, nobody's really figured out the dis- or fig- at the neurological level the binding problem. So there's cracking the code. Despite their wide, their wide reach, scientists have found that all encoding processes have common pre- characteristics. Three of these hold true promise for real-world applications in both business and education. Number one, the more elaborately we encode information at the moment of learning, the stronger the memory. Two, a memory, pra- <clears throat> sorry, a memory trace appears to be stored in the same parts of the brain that perceived and processed the initial input. Think of that again. A memory tape. A memory trace appears to be stored in the same parts of the brain that perceived and processed the initial input. And three, retrieval may be best improved by replicating the conditions surrounding the initial encoding. So one, the more elaborately we encode information at the moment of learning, the stronger the memory. Yeah, we get that. Well, here's a little test. I'll just describe it to you. You don't have to uh, write anything down, but there are words involved. When encoding is elaborate and deep, the memory that forms is much more robust than encoding that is partial and cursory. This can be demonstrated in an experiment that you could do right now with any two groups of friends. You have them look at a list of words. For example... Tractor, green, apple, zero, weather, pastel, quickly, ocean, nicely, countertop, airplane, jump, laugh, and tall. So you have them look at the words for a few minutes. Group number one has to determine the number of letters that have diagonal lines in them and the number that do not. Then tell group two to think about the meaning of each word and rate on a scale of 1 to 10. How much they like or dislike the word. After a few minutes, when they have done this, take the list away. Then ask each group to write down as many words as possible. The dramatic results you get have been replicated in laboratories around the world. Guess which one works. I know you know. The group that possesses the meaning of the words always remembers two to three times as many words as the group that looked up only that looked only at the architecture of the individual letters. They didn't remember the letters, but the group that remembered the words for meaning absolutely remembered the words. We did a form of this experiment where we discussed levels of encoding, and do you remember? 
he talked about the number of circles in a word. This was last week. Do you remember what that word was? I bet you don't because you probably didn't write it down. But because I've done this before, the word was minimum. And were there any circles in the word? No. You can do a similar experiment using pictures. You can even do it with music. No matter the sensory input, the results are always the same. At this point, you might be saying to you, well, duh, isn't it obvious that the more meaning something has, the more memorable it becomes? Most researchers would answer, well, yeah, and the very naturalness of the tendency proves the point. Hunting for diagonal words, sorry, hunting for the diagonal lines in the word apple is not nearly as elaborate as, as remembering Aunt Mabel's apple pie and then rating the pie and thus the word a 10. We remember things much more elaborately when we encode what we encounter, especially if we personalize it. The track for business professionals and for educators is to present bodies of information so compelling that the audience does this on their own. Spontaneous engaging of deep and elaborate encoding. It's a bit weird if you think about it. Making something more elaborate usually means making it more complicated, which, which, which should be more taxing to a memory system. But it's a fact. More complexity means greater learning. So if you make it too simple or you make it too hard, but if it's complex and it engages, then it works. So the second, the second, um, hold on, the second encoding process, a memory trace appears to be stored in the same parts of the brain that perceived and processed the initial input. This idea is so counterintuitive that it may take an urban legend to explain it. At least, I think it's an urban legend coming from the mouth of, a, of the keynote note speaker at a university administrator's luncheon he once attended. He told the story of the wiliest college pres president he had ever encountered. The institute completely had redone its grounds during the summer. With resplendent with fountains and beautifully manicured lawns. All that was needed was to install the sidewalks and walkways where the students would access the buildings. But there was no design for these paths. The construction workers were anxious to install them and wanted to know what the design would be. But the wily president refused to give any, give any information. He frowned. These asphalt plant paths will be permanent. Please install them next year. I will give you the plans then. Disgruntled but compliant, the construction workers waited. So the school year began, and the students were forced to walk on the grass to get to their classes. Very soon, you know what happened. There were defined trails that started appearing all over campus. 
as well as large islands of beautiful green lawns. By the end of the year, the buildings were connected by paths in a surprisingly efficient manner. Now, said the president to the contractors who had waited all year, do you see the paths? You can install the permanent sideways, sidewalks and pathways, but you need no design. Just fill in all the paths you see before you. The initial design created by the initial input then also became the permanent path. That was a wily. What did he call him? A wily university administrator. I think so. That's pretty clever, don't you think? The brain has storage strategy, remarkably similar to the wily president's plan. The neural pathways initially recruited to process new information end up becoming the permanent pathways that the brain reuses to store the information. New information penetrating into the brain can be likened to the students initially creating the dirt paths across a pristine lawn. The final storage area can be likened to the, t- to the time those pathways were permanently filled with asphalt. They were the same pathways, and that's the point. You build pathways in your neurological system. So by repeating to remember, you are making that pathway more, you're making it deeper because you're repeating and the message goes through another time and another time. And every time the message goes through, you remember it and the path is deeper. So what does this mean for the brain? The neurons in the cortex are active responders at any given learning event and they are deeply involved in permanent memory storage. This means that the brain has no central happy hunting ground where memories go to be infinitely retrieved. Instead, memories are distributed all over the surface, all over the surface of the cortex. This may be the, this may first seem to be hard to grasp. Many people would like the brain to be like a computer, complete with input detectors like a keyboard connected to a central logic device. Yet the data suggests that the human brain has no hard drive separate from its initial input detectors. That does not mean that memory storage is spread evenly across the brain's neural landscape. Many brain regions are involved in representing even single inputs, and each region contributes something different to the entire memory. Storage is a cooperative event. And I'm going to stop there. And on Wednesday, we'll look at the third process, which is retrieval may be best improved by replicating the conditions surrounding the initial encoding, which I know you make, make sense. So when you get somewhere and you've forgotten what you wanted, just go back to where you were and stand there for a second. The movement will encourage more oxygen to your brain and when you get there chances are that the thought will pop right back in and then just say it aloud so that when you get upstairs the second time you haven't forgotten so there you have it all right let's do this oops there we go
Thank you, Dorcas. Native. That was fascinating. <laughs> Isn't it? Well, you as a teacher particularly find that kind of stuff interesting, I'm sure. Oh, yes. I think all of us do, though. The fact that the spot or the place that we were when the initial input goes in is really interesting. And the fact that the initial input has the same pathway, it's not like our brains are not like a computer. Our brains are very creative and we have to remember the, we have to remember the door. We have to remember the many handles. And there are many ways to get, yes, Absolutely. Then, I think that's fast. Go ahead. I see many ways to get to the same place. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but not actually, not so. We have certain pathways. And when something's learned, you have to find the right door. You just need to have lots of handles to get to that door. <laughs> if that makes sense. Oh, it sure does. Absolutely. All righty. So have a great day. Thank you for being with me. And tomorrow, Susan will be doing superfoods. Thank you, Brian, for recording or doing all the magic that you do. Thank you, Frank Lomas, for putting it on SoundCloud. And in two minutes on Facebook Live, there will be a training for people who are interested in building their business. Thank you for joining me today, and have a great Monday. God bless everybody. Thank you, Dorcas. It is my pleasure.